here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Clocks on the wall, talk to watches on the wrist. It's the moments. we relive. It's the moments like this. When it's time to get ill, we be so ahead of time. It's the moments. we achieve. Best believe it's the moments. Welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today 
is one half of the podcast Shake Them Ropes, also on the VOW Podcast Network. It's Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, welcome. Andrew, how do you miss WrestleMania in Seattle when you're listing all the WrestleManias? I know, I know. <laughs> oh, don't bring me down already, all right? We just started this thing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, for me, I'm listening to the five-star match game. I'm listening to you and Rich, who who have put far too much importance on the history of WrestleMania and can just <laughs> spout off all these things that have just, in my old age, because... I'm old enough to be your father, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> in my old age, I've forgotten. And you're spouting off all these facts. And I'm listening to that one category, and I'm like, you know, the one off-the-board pick is always going to be Seattle. And it's like, I'm listening, I'm going, and I'm, I'm almost yelling at my phone, how do you not know Seattle? And it was great, but your anger made it even funnier. That you <laughs> because you because you got... <laughs> you got so arrogant and went, oh man, I'll name them all. As opposed to you could have just gone one My more. hubris. Uh, go- listen, <laughs> listen. When you're in the hot seat on that show, you- your brain tends to screw you over at times. It's hard. It is so hard. People go, how did you miss that? I was listening to the show. I'm like, look, when you're on the air and you're live and you're not wikipedia it and not cheating like Rob probably did, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you... You, you, you're like going, man, I know that. And it sounds so simple at the time. And even Rob was like struggling on like, who is Buddy Murphy's tag partner in, in NXT? You know, you, you just, you forget easy stuff or stuff that everybody seemingly knows. So, uh, but no, that was a, that was a great show. You should uh, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a close one for sure. A close one. Uh, the, the five star match game podcast, which I was just on with, uh, it was me versus Rich Krejci. Uh, in WrestleMania trivia. Uh, it's out now. A lot of fun. But anyway, anyway, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show here. Uh, I did, of course, have your other half on the show before, Rob McCarran, on the Stone Cold episode. So no pressure, no pressure. But, you know, Rob did bring the goods for that episode. So you're going to have to step up to the plate here. <laughs> Come on. Really? I, I wouldn't say he brought the goods. I said I say he had a good show talking about one guy and one one genre of music versus <laughs> us, which is going to be going through a plethora of various formats and styles. I'm just goofing around. Obviously, it's it, it's going to be great. I can tell already. It's going to oh, be yeah. great. I will bring arcane references as I do <laughs> and shake them ropes. So uh, be prepared, kids, to Google certain things about pop hits of the '80s. All right. All right. So today we are here on episode 30 of Music of the Mat, or as the boogeyman would say, episode 30. How old are you? 30. How old are you? 30. Don't lie to us. How old are you? 30. You lying to us? 30. What's your license say? 30. What does your birthday say in your license? My birthday says... Read it to me. 7-15-64. Yes, right. I am 40. But uh, yeah, 30 episodes. It's pretty cool that we've reached the end of another season, if you will, another cycle of 10 episodes. And as fate would have it, uh, the topic for today's monumental episode is itself quite monumental because WrestleMania 34 is right around the corner. And what better way to get into the groove than to discuss some WrestleMania themes? This is volume two of the subject. Uh, Volume one was all the way back last year 
on episode five with Chris Maffei. And now, Jeff, you are here to help ring in the WrestleMania season this time around. Are you excited for this year's Mania, Jeff? Uh, does the card have you pumped up? What are you feeling going into this year's WrestleMania? I'm actually very excited. I've gone to the last two live, and I've felt like, while they were good, I never felt like I got that same rush of excitement other people have gotten by going to live manias like the last New Orleans mania. And I think this one has the potential to be something special. I, I do. I, I think between the AJ and Nakamura match and, you know, the Brock Roman possible coronation, if you want, I think there's a lot of great matches on this card. The only danger, as always, in modern WrestleManias is is does it overstay its welcome too long by trying to get too much in. But overall, I am I'm very excited for this. I'm hoping for a killer WrestleMania so I can feel like, you know, not that it was just time spent, but that it was memorable to me. Because I, I went to Dallas and I went to Orlando, and they were both good, but they weren't that kind of mind-blowing, oh, man, that was so awesome, here's a memory I'm going to remember forever type of WrestleManias. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think because looking at the card here, uh, there are some really good matches in store for us. Uh, you know, AJ Nakamura, Asuka Charlotte, uh, Alexander versus Ali, Brock Roman should be fun if they just go in there and just beat the shit out of each other like last time. Even the Ronda Rousey match has me excited because I just want to see how she does. So yeah, despite the show likely going, I don't know, eight hours in total, like the past few manias, there is enough on the show that should hold my attention and keep me going. Um, fingers crossed, of course, because uh, it could run the risk of, like you said, overstaying its welcome. For those who have never been to a live mania, though, and this ties into our show, <clears throat> and this goes to most major events live now, at least like the Summer Slams I've been to, it also did this. They play the theme song incessantly at the, at the event. Like, in between every match. So even if you're hearing it on the network, we're probably hearing it on the arena to the point that we want to kill someone. Um, <laughs> and at Mania, it's even worse because they play it throughout the show, and then you have a concert of the theme live, and you're just like, have I not heard this song? I mean, <laughs> and that, to me, has become the test of a really good theme song for any event. Is it memorable, and am I absolutely sick of it by the time we get to the highlights on the next Monday or Tuesday in retrospect? Because nowadays it's kind of hit or miss because it's more or less unlicensed or unsigned artists. You get a catalog, and hopefully you hook into something that's good, um, with the exception of WrestleMania, which are tend to be more mainstream artists. But sometimes they get it right, like the Mae Young Classic theme, uh, Missile by Dorothy is absolutely fantastic, and it gave an emotional resonance uh, to the event because of the whole intro of the talent and connected with me. So, I mean, I still have fond memories of something like that song, even though some people said that was overplayed. And I think that, to me, is kind of the test these days of what makes a really good WrestleMania theme. Yeah, you know, a, a great theme can certainly augment an event and make it that much better. And a bad theme can not necessarily ruin an event, but it can maybe put a damper on things a little. So you're right there, Jeff. Yeah. Um, now, I've talked about this on a few other podcasts, a few articles that I've written 
that my first WrestleMania was Mania 20. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, what was your first WrestleMania? The um, Live, you mean, or, or on video? In general, in general. I've seen all of them. I mean, I was I came of age early because I'm older than you. Um, the first Mania that was really available to me was WrestleManias one and two were on video. By the time I got, I mean, I it, I and I've said this on other podcasts, and people who know my history know this. We were not a WWF territory growing up. WWF had no influence where I lived until until I got cable, pretty much, and I was. 12 or 13 or Saturday night's main event when that started. Um, we were an NWA full and foremost territory where I was. We had three or four Crockett shows running in syndication. So WWF is not a major part of my historical fandom, but I have seen all the WrestleManias. Um, I, I remember as a teenager, possibly one of the bigger days is I had a whole bunch of friends over and we watched Clash of Champions 1 and WrestleMania 4 back to back, which was a long, long wow. day. <laughs> still a lot of fun. But um, no, I, I've, I've, I've been um, I've been exposed to all the WrestleManias uh, almost in real time. Cool. Yeah, I I can't say that for myself, given that you are. Uh, an older gentleman than yes, I am. Thank you. Uh, no offense, no offense, <laughs> none, but <laughs> none taken. Um, it, it'll help on this show, <laughs> as, as you'll see. Well, we have here eight WrestleMania themes, which we'll get into today. Again, this is volume two, so if you're looking for some of the more popular Mania themes, like The Grand Spectacle or My Way or Rise, those are on volume one. So go listen to that episode if you haven't already. Here, though, uh, looking at the list here, Jeff, I still think that we have a good mix of songs covering you know, different genres and popularities, and quite a few songs here uh, I happen to enjoy quite a bit. And also kind of shows the company's different tastes evolved, if you want to use that word. I wouldn't necessarily use evolved because I have a very... I have a very low bar of what I think they look for in a theme song. <laughs> I, I think they look for a hook that kind of generates into a theme and they just run with it. And they, you know, they don't really listen to the songs. Oh, okay. That sounds good. It has written in the stars. Oh, we're going to be written in the stars on this <laughs> WrestleMania. Let's go with that. Boom. You know, it, I don't think there's a lot of depth to the process necessarily, but, but they are interesting songs. Yes. And like you said, some of them share common themes, uh, common traits. You can, you, can, you can group them together in certain ways. So it'll be interesting to see the different attitudes that the company has towards their themes and what they're looking for in each case. So we'll go now in chronological order, starting with WrestleMania 3. This is by Aretha Franklin. Oh, excuse me, Miss Aretha Franklin <laughs> off the album Who's Zoomin' Who. This is the title track, Who's Zoomin' Who.
So we're still in the very, very early stages of incorporating pop songs with wrestling shows because I believe this is only the second major wrestling show to have a pop song as a theme. Uh, the first being Mania 1, which of course had Easy Lover by Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. And like Easy Lover, Who's Zoomin' Who is a poppy, light, dancey tune. Got a bit of bounce to it, some funky R&B, it being Aretha Franklin, no surprise there. Great song, a lot of fun, but it, it doesn't really work as a theme for a wrestling show because it's about a guy trying to use his mojo, his charm, on a woman and pick her up, presumably for some whoopee. But hey, she's a strong woman, she's a strong woman, she's nobody's fool and she turns the tables on the guy and she's gonna make him hers tonight, not the other way around. Works well for the dance floor, but you know, not so much for wrestling. I suppose you could stretch it and say that it's about your know, power struggles and getting the better of your quote-unquote opponent, but again, it's a bit of a stretch to me. Unless, unless, and I'll credit you here, Jeff, for making me think about this based on a comment you said in our Twitter DM conversation, unless we take into consideration Vince McMahon's proclivity for being funky. <laughs> because Vince, despite being a huge fan of ACDC and Kid Rock, despite being, you know, quite the honky, he's been known to get down with his bad self on a few occasions. He's been known to bring the funk and let his soul glow from time to time whether it's singing Stand Back at the Slammy Awards, or dancing with Dude Love on Raw, or even when he's doing his trademark strut to the ring, there's something funky inside Vincent Kennedy McMahon just bursting to come out. So perhaps Who's Zoom and Who being used as the theme for Mania 3, and Easy Lover as well being used for Mania 1, Maybe that was Vince's inner black man peeking out and letting himself be known. Maybe, maybe. Uh, what do you think about this, Jeff? <laughs> you are shoveling it right now. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of things, and I just want to give some context here. Uh, real music, uh, the WWF did not use it as much as other promotions. Bill Watts was famous for doing music videos all the time on his programming in Mid-South and whatnot. Crockett was using real songs for themes because licensing wasn't as much of a problem back then. And and Vince would do this. Um, he had been tinkering with this uh, on his own television from time to time. Maybe not so much on, on, on major events, but then again, back then, major events were either closed circuit, uh, where you'd go to arena and watch it, or you'd wait for the video to come out. So you really didn't need, you know, the theme song wasn't really a quote-unquote official. Um, the selection of this, um, it was funny because in, in that same chat, you were like confused as to why he would pick this. Um, Aretha Franklin is a Detroit native. Um, Detroit also famous for Motown. Now, Aretha Franklin was not a Motown singer. She was uh, Columbia and um, Atlantic, I believe. Um, and then later Arista, which we'll go into uh, where this song was recorded. But Vince probably thought she was from Motown. And the other thing Detroit is very famous for is cars. The title of this song is Who's Zoomin' Who? Cars Zoom. 
Ergo, <laughs> it's a great theme for a WrestleMania in Detroit. That's how deep I think this whole process was. Now, the song as a whole, irrespective of, of, Wrestle, of, of WrestleMania, is very, very important in the history of 1980s pop music and later because the producers of man by name and writers of name man by name Narada Michael Walden. And during this time, I mean, you said yourself, this song is two years old by the time it's the theme song for WrestleMania. It's kind of already past its peak, but from 1985 to 1987, Aretha Franklin had a career resurgence after kind of being 15 years out of the limelight. She was kind of, she was a reclamation project going to this new label and this new producer, and what can you do for, for me on this? And at that time, Narada Michael Walden was working really with three artists. He was working with her, Clarence Clemens, who also has a, uh, a WWF connection. Um, he's the saxophonist for the, uh, Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. And also uh, a young woman by the name of Whitney Houston. Now, if you listen to Who's Zoom and Who, Narada Michael Walden is big into synthesizers and drum machines. That's kind of what 80s pop was back then. And there's a lot of similarities between that song and Whitney Houston's How Will I Know and I Want to Dance with Somebody. And there's a reason for that. He's also the producer and the writer for that. He did a lot of those. He also had some one-hit wonders. Jermaine Stewart's We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off, which is a great song. Shanice's I Love Your Smile. Um... On the Elton John duets album, my favorite song, and it's personal to me, is is a remake of Cole Porter's True Love, which he produced. Um, He also did the worst album I've ever heard, which was my favorite singer, or at least my favorite musician at the time, or during um, my growing up period, a man by the name of Steve Winwood. But now I'm more inclined to his stuff from Traffic and Blind Faith and the Spencer Davis group. I like his solo stuff, but he went to Narada Michael Walden for the same reason as Aretha Franklin. He wanted to get more hip. And he's he's a 40-something-year-old white guy trying to trying to do dance tunes, and it just did not work. It's one of the worst albums, and I love Steve Winwood, but man, that album sucked, sucked ass so bad. <laughs> but... You can see on this album, I mean, at least or at least on this song on Who's Zoom and Who, the early things for Whitney Houston's career, you know, and, you know, and 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 would and that would be a partnership that would also be very, very fruitful. Now, Who's Zoom and Who, the album is also fantastic because it has that song. It has Freeway of Love. And all these songs are about sex. Andrew, all these songs oh, yes. are about sex because that's that's what the kids like. That's how she's going to be hip. She's a young soul diva. On the, on the make, but it also has a very huge feminist bent to it, including the duet Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, which he recorded with the Eurythmics, who were also a hot act at the time. And that is a, that is a, that is a great song. Um, and, and this period in Aretha Franklin's career continued through 87, 88. She did a New Year Waiting with George Michael, uh, right up through about, she did a remake of Jumpin' Jack Flash for, for the movie by the same name, and about that time, that's when she dropped off. Now, people are saying, well, okay, if Aretha Franklin is so hot during this time, why is she doing WrestleMania? She likes money. <laughs> she has expensive tastes, and I'm sure they paid her pretty well. And, you know, and she's in her 40s at this point. I'm sure she appreciates And in the vignettes you see leading up to WrestleMania 3 that she was in, she was game. She's one of those celebrities who seem to get it. And, and even during the show, she did something about Jake the Snake, Robert Snake, or something to that effect that I recall. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Narada Michael Walden, 
had an existing kind of relationship with WWF in a way because on the aforementioned Clarence Clemens album that was being worked on in 1985 at this at the same time as Who's Zoom and Who, there was a song on it called You're a Friend of Mine, which was a duet between Clarence Clemens and Jackson Brown. That song was used on Saturday night's main event as a music video for the breakup angle between Bob Orton and Rowdy Roddy Piper at the time. Uh, leading into their match at Saturday night's main event, where Morocco and Jimmy Hart got all involved. So so you have all these kind of interesting inter, intertwined things that relate to wrestling, but at the same time, don't. But um, this song, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's pure 80s. It's, it's pure 80s, uh, slightly dancey pop. Um, the personnel on this also fascinated me. Um, I go into Wikipedia rabbit holes, when I get interested in a subject, and this was the one song on our rundown that just, I, I spent hours just reading, you know, clicking link, 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 until I couldn't do it anymore. I'm not going to go through that, but the personnel on this, you have Randy Jackson, former bass player for Journey, as they like to say, but also judge on the aforementioned television hit, uh, American Idol. Uh, sub dog, <laughs> that's Randy Jackson. Uh, on keyboards is Walter, Afa- uh, I think it's Afana CF is how you pronounce it. Okay, he's very important in pop music too. He is Narada's um, protege. And Narada found a young talent by the name of Mariah Carey at one time and produced her hit Vision of Love. After the, the, after the initial album, Mariah Carey and Walter, and this guy, Walter Afana CF, had a long partnership including the the next when she got into the diva phase of her career including you know hero and the and the duet with boys to men one sweet day um that's him that he's the he's the genius behind mariah carey and, and he's and he also uh produced uh, my heart will go on the theme from titanic w- which interested me and and the other thing that interested me in terms of personnel uh the backing vocals there's uh there, there's two people on here that that are interesting vicky randall is the less interesting of the two. She is, if you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. That's that's sad, but uh, I'll ask that question. Are you old enough to remember The Tonight Show with Jay Leno? I am indeed old enough to remember that, yes. Vicki yes. Randall was the lead singer in Jay Leno's band. And she does the backing vocals on this. The other one who does it is, is, a, is an act by the name of Sylvester. Sylvester was a... Um, transsexual uh, singer in the 70s who had some disco hits. You make me feel mighty real. You make me feel mighty real. Um, Perfect. Yeah, no, that's his biggest hit, uh, the aforementioned Queen of Disco. Also, a minor hit, if you've ever seen the 1980, I think it's 1985, as a matter of fact, 1985 movie, Trading Places. The, the 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 dance party in Eddie, when Eddie Murphy takes over the takes over Dan Aykroyd's man, a mansion. The song Do You Want a Funk? is is absolutely fantastic. I will blast that in my car now uh, going down the street. It, it's just, it, it's it's great. Uh, and You Make Me Feel Mighty Real is also just a fantastic dance tune. Um, what this has to do with the topic of WrestleMania 3, it doesn't. It's just about <laughs> the song Who's Zooming Who. But um, like I told, I told you, I was going to go off on this song because it just fascinated me, all these different connections and things that play into my personal music fandom. And because I, w- I was 12 years old when the song came out, 
So this is this is prime Jeff's listening to the radio while doing homework type stuff. So yeah, Freeway of Love and Who's Zooming Who and Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, heavy on the top 40 rotations during that time. Wow. Uh, okay, that's all getting cut. Uh, it's all, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, disregarding the whole Vince and his inner black man thing, I'm, I'm being a little facetious there. but I, I think I that think, plays uh, into it. I think he really thinks he is a fan of soul music and a fan of uh, fan of African Americans in many ways. I, you know, I mean, Ray Charles was on the first WrestleMania. I think that was... I think that was intended. I, I, I don't discount your take at all. I think it's kind of a funny, vapid take in some ways in terms of uh, in terms of Vince. But you know what? I do think Vince had there is a part of that that rings very true as much as I made fun of it. But I think besides that, this song is a real sign of the times. Oh, it is. In regards to wrestling and its relationship with pop music. Because it is the mid-80s. At this point, there are plenty of wrestlers around the country who have started using popular songs as entrance themes, but it's still in the, the early stages. This is still a little bit before... You know, uh, we haven't really gotten, though, to using pop music, though, necessarily. Most of these other... The Southern wrestling are still kind of in the classic rock vein. This is actually more... When I modern. say popular songs, I mean regardless of genre. Not just pop music. You know, uh, yeah, outside know. music in general. I know, but this is more eight years ahead of anything that anybody else is using for the most part, other than maybe We Will Rock You, which is 1981, I think. But I mean, still, this is a bit before Jim Johnston and Jimmy Hart really got going and started yes. putting music oh, everywhere and giving every wrestler a theme. And this is before every show had a theme, big or small, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in-house or pop. And I think because the WWF at the time was entering this new ground of pay-per-views and associating songs with the pay-per-views, they have not yet mastered the art of selecting a fitting theme for a show. Not to discount what you said about Detroit or Aretha Franklin, but these early songs, while really good, they don't necessarily fit into the context of a wrestling show. No. It comes off to me as the WWF saying, hey, this is a really popular song. Let's use it for a wrestling show and we'll attract mm-hmm. people that way. As opposed to picking a song that contextually gels with the show, which eventually they did end up learning how to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right on that. But this is also a precursor to Vince McMahon learning how to make movies. If you want to look at it that way, where the video, the, pre, the movies, a lot, this was this was the time and place where, you know, you had the event music video like Thriller and stuff. So so you, trying to do the same thing with popular music for your own product is actually being attuned to the times, which is so ironic because WWE at some point, even though they think they're a youth focused company got about three or four years behind the curve and the selection of the music also sort of reflects that in a way. It's such an odd dichotomy. Well, I think they've always been a little behind the times in a lot of cases when it comes to music, uh, especially Jim Johnston and his sound as it developed over the years. Um, Now, I was looking this up, Jeff, uh, a little trivia here. 
Who Zoom and Who was used for Mania 3 in 1987. When do you think was the next pay-per-view that used a pop song as a theme? Take a guess. Oh, I don't think it was for years later. I don't think it was until they were actually on pay-per-view because 4 was the first one that was on pay-per-view. So I'm going to say probably somewhere around WrestleMania 10. It was SummerSlam 1998. 98. Wow, it's that long. How would a hell by ACDC. And that's a great song too, but it is. but I think but but I think the purpose of the music changed a little bit in terms of they were just looking for kind of pop culture connection by using Who Zoom and Who and when they started using songs in 98 and stuff, it was for branding. It, it was mm-hmm. all about the branding and kind of shaping the branding of, of all the events. Yeah, so over 11 years between those two songs, everything else was Jim Johnston, pretty much. And the next WrestleMania that would use an outside song was actually Mania 17, which was My Way by Limp Bizkit. So <laughs> a 14-year gap for Mania. So I think it's really fascinating to think about how, for so long... Nobody really cared about getting outside songs for pay-per-views. It was just Jim Johnston all the way. And then along comes the 2000s, and then almost every pay-per-view has this band and that band, and it just snowballs into this regular facet of modern wrestling in America. Yeah, unless they went, unless they did, chose a throwback theme. It was so, it's so odd because you'd have all these modern bands, and then they'd do a... You know, Highway to Hell was, was kind of first, but you know, Peter Gabriel's big time being being the uh, being the uh, kind of the outlier there. But they yes. occasionally, you know, they used Thunderstruck for a mania. They used, uh, you know, they'll occasionally dip go go into the Wayback Machine for some un- inexplicable reason other than they probably heard a couple words on a song and it fit fit the motif. I mean, they based an entire pay per view around a song from the fifties. Great Balls of Fire. Oh, that's right. If you want to talk retro. <laughs> God, there's so much wrestling. I forgot about the... Fa- oh, dear Lord. The, the jokes that were made about that one. I- <laughs> All right. We just spent about, I think, 20 minutes on one song. So we're going to move on to the next one here. I'll be short uh, on this the others, is- I promise. I know, Jeff. I know. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll skip ahead 12 years to WrestleMania 15, The Rage and Climax. <laughs> That was the actual tagline for the show. I'm not making that up. Go look it up. But blame Vince Russo for that one, folks, okay? (laughs) The theme is by Jim Johnston. It's called Rage. go from the happy, bouncy, light pop funk of Who's Zoom and Who to the meh of late 90s Attitude Era industrial rock here with Rage. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about this one, uh, let alone a lot of good things to say about it. It's very of the time period, mm-hmm. that tough guy, no-nonsense, hard hat and a lunch pail genre that just dominated the Attitude Era, doesn't have that magic spark, you know, that that punch 
that makes it feel like a Mania theme. It, it feels more like a generic instrumental that would work for, I don't know, jacked or metal. It sounds like it was a theme that wasn't used by a wrestler. That, 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 that was my exact thought listening to this song. I, I, don't, I don't diss Jim Johnson. But I also don't put him on this high pedestal when when he gives these interviews about how he individually crafted songs for wrestlers and stuff. They're all various connotations of driving guitar and loud drum. I mean, you know, that thing. I mean, and some of them very good. It just it's it's hit or miss. Like the first Acolytes theme I love, Mm -hmm. you know, the Midian, one of the Midian themes that I think Al Snow had at one time I love. But they're all just it's almost like you could put it on a, you know, like like they did with the uh, public domain music that WCW used to use. If you just put about 80 of these these types of same guitar and drum themes on there, you'd have about 60 of them that were themes for WWF wrestlers. And it's not like Jim Johnston can't write a Mania theme. No. He's done it before, you know, with the Grand Spectacle and the song mm-hmm. WrestleMania. He can write a tune that captures the spirit and grandness of a WrestleMania. Here, though, he just falls flat. Rage, it just sounds so boring to me. It, it sounds like an alternate theme that could have been used for, like, the Brawl for All. That same sound. Yeah. And that, 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 fits, that fits so well. It's, and it's, it's funny because this was the same WrestleMania where the winner of Brawl for All, Bart Gunn, got knocked the fuck out by Butterbean. Mm-hmm. So there you go. A little connection there. Rage is uh, Jim Ross's uh, response to Steve Williams getting uh, knocked out. Ah, <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, it is It is rather fitting, I think, that WrestleMania 15, which is considered to be on the lower end of the Mania spectrum, has such a letdown of a theme. Mm-hmm. So the two kind of go hand-in-hand hand with each other. <laughs> okay. Is that it? Just <laughs> nothing else to say about this one? I have, I, I have so little to say about this song. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, one last thing for me then about this song. Uh, This is actually the second-to-last Jim Johnston song that would be used as a Mania theme because the year after this would be California for WrestleMania 2000. So up next is the theme for WrestleMania 18. The band is Drowning Pool, who were for many years one of the staple bands for WWE, along with Limp Bizkit and Puddle of the Mud and a few others. Off the album Sinner, this is Tear Away.
You know, I've been known to say this on the podcast on a few occasions, uh, Jeff, but I have a bit of a soft spot for new metal. Um, I'm not a massive fan, but I, I've got a few songs on my iTunes, and I, I dip my toes back into the new metal pool every so often. So I will say that I actually enjoy Tear Away, and I enjoy when new metal goes for a more subdued approach. Hold on. Hold I wouldn't on. call it subdued in general. I wouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, the vocals are a little bit more melodic, and the tempo is a bit more simmered than your typical aggressive screaming new metal. We still get the aggression, and we still get the screaming at some points, but there is some, dare I say, some emotion here, Jeff. So I happen to like it quite a bit. You, you can dare to say it because music is all about personal taste. Um, <laughs> I like I like Drowning Pool's Bodies. I will defend that song as, as something that, in 2001, that was on my regular workout list, man. That, that thing will get you pumped up and hyped. Uh, but this genre and Tearaway, a lot of these songs, I mean, like I said, it's individual taste from song to song for me. But the genre itself, you know, it, it's always, you know, the soft voice, usually distorted, and then just scream into the microphone. At, at, a, at a dramatic point with, with a raging guitar. I mean, and that's what this is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think this is actually the last song released with the original lead singer of Drowning Pool. Am I incorrect on that one? Uh, they did one album, and then he died. So, yeah. That's right. And this is from that album, I believe. So, yes, it is. Yes. So, yeah. no. So, this is, uh, I mean, this is what I expect out of new metal. It, it, and, again, I, I, it goes from song to song as to whether I like it or not. This one's okay. And, and you can see why they would use Drowning Pool after having such, you know, great luck with it. Um, as <laughs> or actually, they don't use bodies until after this resume, right? Or do they? They used it for SummerSlam 01. Okay. Uh, and then again for the ECW reboot when they brought that yeah. back. Yeah. Steen using this on the indie scene. Yes. Um, the least surprising thing, <laughs> probably in, in CZW or ROH early years or... Where have you? I mean, th- I mean, everybody used a new metal song at some time during this time period, so uh, so why not? Yeah, uh, lyrically, the song is about a guy tearing away the other pieces of his life and focusing only on himself, which is pretty evident with the refrain, I don't care about anyone else but me, I don't care about anyone. And wrestling is, for the majority, about single stars trying to make it in their career so they need to only care about themselves and they have to do whatever it takes and fight whomever to succeed and win titles and so forth now tying this into wrestlemania i put my thinking cap on here and realized that there is an entire four-year run of wrestlemanias where the theme song was aggressive alpha male new metal it starts with Mania 17 and My Way by Limp Bizkit. Then it goes to 18 with Tearaway and Superstar by Saliva, which was the other theme for Mania 18. Then it goes back to Limp Bizkit with Crack Addict for 19. And then it ends... <laughs> God! Oh, you forgot song. about that one, didn't oh, you? Gee. Well, no, I just... That, that song is so... Uh, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then it finishes. Uh, it finishes with Step Up. Again, by Drowning Pool for Mania 20. So four WrestleManias in a row 
we have this type of intense, physical, I'm going to be the dominator in this situation type of song. Which makes sense because it's the early 2000s, you know, Ruthless Aggression era. All these bands are pretty popular at the time in mainstream culture. Their music is already being used by WWE in other areas. So let's just go with the flow. Yeah, this is definite dude bro music. People blasting this on headphones at the gym, at the bench press type of get pumped dude type of music. Yeah, I mean, and it, uh, you know, it there there were, um, and it's, I don't know if I'd call it derivative necessarily of the Rage Against the Machine effect, but I, I tend to think they're kind of the, the forefathers of this sort of style um, in some ways. Uh, and look, Drowning Pool is one of the better acts to to use to to come out of the genre. All right, it's time to go now to the land of meatballs and Tor Johnson. That's right, <laughs> Sweden. That's where our next band is from, the soundtrack of our lives. They did the theme for WrestleMania 21 off of the album Origin Volume 1. This is Big Time. This is not only my favorite song on the list here, Jeff, but this is actually one of my favorite Mania themes ever. I love this song so much. I love how it's a nice departure from what we had before with the previous four Manias, going away from new metal and towards more of an alternative, pseudo-psychedelic vibe, but without taking away the bombast and the adrenaline and the excitement. Because this song, it keeps a great pace, it's got energy, it's got some cool production tricks, like with the vocals switching off between the two channels, mm. and the warbly guitar. So it keeps things nice and dynamic. And what I really love is the way it delivers those bursts of grandeur. Because it switches between the verses, which are primarily centered on the bass, and the keyboards, and the drums. Uh, the lead singer is keeping his tone on a lower level, which builds up the anticipation and holds back the dam, so to speak. Then, when it gets to the chorus, it just lets it all go, and the lead guitar takes hold, and the vocalist just starts belting out, you know, big time, big time, we're all partners in crime. So there's this massive release, and I just love when that happens in a song. So I can't stress enough just how much I enjoy this song big time. It, I had 
forgot, long forgotten this song uh, to the point where I thought that soundtrack of our lives had done a remake of the Peter Gabriel tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you know about soundtrack of our lives? Are you a general fan of the band? Uh, I know a scant amount of their songs. So is this a tip? Is this a typical song for them? Is, is yeah, they, they've got kind of a mix between the fast and heavy, hard rock side of things and the more psychedelic, you know, kind of moody, mystical side. This song is very much of the former sound, with like a, a splash of psychedelia thrown in. See, it, it's kind of weird because I, I was listening to this, and just because I, again, I have bad taste in music overall. I think um, I, I like the uh, I like the interplay of, of as you said, the guy keeping his voice low, but but also you know the backing vocals kind of. Uh, you know, kind of contrasting that, and maybe I'm mixing it up with the other song that I listened to. Um, it sounds almost when I listened to this song the first time, my thought was they're like a prog rock band that has tried to renew its image, and it felt so out of place. It's like you know these guys have talent, but they're doing kind of the wrong genre of music in some ways to me, and it's it was such a weird feeling. My, the only tangible comparison I could make would be to like albums like Roll the Bones by Rush where yes. they tried to insert uh, rap rap yeah. into it or even you know even though I like the album a lot uh, there's an 80s super group called The Power Station that that made a second album in 1995 that was little listened to but I love called Living in Fear and it comes off a lot like Robert Palmer singing heavy metal and trying to make it sound cool. And you're just kind of like, well, it's a good song. It just, there's something off about it. And that's how I felt listening to, to soundtrack of our lives. It's like, or even like a prog rock band, like, yes, that, that, you know, during like the union period where, where they were just really trying to, you know, be cool again and and get back. I like a lot of that stuff. I do. The the union era. I like all of yes, really. If I'm being honest. Yes. is a phenomenal band. I love yes. But union was, was an experiment that, didn't exactly work on many on many levels well it was when, combining two bands basically because yeah. you had uh anderson bruford wakeman howe which was the classic prog rock sound mm-hmm. and you had what was dubbed at the time yes west with trevor rabin and chris squire and those guys who did have the more traditional pop rocky new wave sounds and the Union album was them merging together yeah. to form one big yes. So you were merging two mm-hmm. different sounds together. It was kind of like you were kind of combining the roundabout with the with the leave it yes yes is in yes there. And, and and they couldn't they, the nine zero one two five yes and you know lift me up fine pop hit but it's like you have all this all these musicians and you're putting out a pop hit what what are you doing you know <laughs> G- give me give me the synthesizers and guitars and stuff you know so that, that was just my general feeling it's not that the song's a bad song it, it was just one of those things where i'm listening to going i mean it, it sounds there's a lot of euro pop in there of the time kind of a you know, I heard an Oasis type of vibe in there um, as I listened to it. I don't know if you did, but, um, you know, it, it's a good song. And I, you know what? I like the respite from the new metal type of thing. I like having things that are a little bit different in genre because, you know what? The black t-shirt crew gets enough love. Let's Let's have something else in there. Yeah, and I believe this is the first Mania theme 
that was done by an outside artist where the purpose of the song was to highlight like the spectacle of WrestleMania hmm. and how much of a quote unquote big time it is because Easy Lover and Who Zoom and Who aren't about that. Yeah. My Way, Tear Away, Crack Addict, Step Up, those are more personal and aggressive. So yeah, I think Big Time is the first Mania theme where WWE is picking a song by an outside artist to try to get across the point that WrestleMania, the event, is a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this song works the best for that purpose because the lyrics are a bit more complex than that. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about, you know, like gene manipulation and so forth, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, but like... Like I said, you have you have to you have to go with the more vapid approach. He saw the word big time, thought we're big time. Let's that, make it the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. The, the next year, even Mania Twenty Two, that had a big time. <laughs> you know, by, by Peter Gabriel. That song we covered it on Volume One. That song is about you know uh, excess. Yeah, yeah, excess, yeah. celebrity, dealing with fame and wanting to be a, a big deal, a big shot. Not necessarily about the spectacle of an event or the granddaddy of the mall, you know, which... I was uh, going to say, although it fits so much because it's all about being a fraud and not being true to yourself, and that's all wrestling is, really. <laughs> Yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> I, I could see it that way, too. Uh, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, big time, it's trying to go in a different direction than what we've had before in terms of what feelings the song is trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Another staple band of WWE during the 2000s was Saliva, and they did the theme for two WrestleManias, Superstar for 18, which I brought up earlier, and this song for Mania 23 from the album Bloodstained Love Story. The song is called Ladies and Gentlemen. going back to new metal here with saliva but it's a different purpose and a different subject matter than the previous instances uh, where we've had a new metal theme because before with you know like my way or, or tear away it was all about beating people up and showing off and puffing out your own chest and, and saying i'm the best here it's continuing the trend of propping up wrestlemania as this show of shows and highlighting the event aspect of Mania. The way the song is set up is that the lead singer, Josie Scott, is this like carnival barker or ringleader, and he's enticing people to come and see the show 
and acting as a master of ceremonies. From the opening line, ladies and gentlemen, good evening, it puts this image in our minds. And him saying things like, like nothing you've ever seen before, watch closely as I open this door, your jaws will be on the floor, after this you'll be begging for more, welcome to the show, please come inside, ladies and gentlemen. And any Emerson, Lake, and Palmer connections aside, <laughs> it does intend to bolster the atmosphere of WrestleMania to what they want it to be, which is this must-see event that you have to come and be a part of. Even going so far as to modulate his voice to make it sound like it's an old-school microphone or megaphone. So it's definitely a continuation of where both big-time songs left off, which is to present WrestleMania as this, you know, incredible show. I hadn't tied in the Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, but that's a good call in terms of CONCON uh, uh, Part 1. And welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Um, Con <laughs> Evil 9, First Impression Part 2. There we go. That's an, I can never remember the name of the song, but I love the tune. Um, and I love this motif for a song, and I think this is a nice kind of updated homage, if you will, to ELP. Uh, you know, the modulated voice is kind of, you know... I liked it through the megaphone. It is kind of a staple of new metal in some ways uh, because you had the distorted voice also on the, uh, on the, on the previous song. But, but I liked it in this form. And, it, and, and look, if it's written for this kind of event, it fits. And really, this is one of those songs. I really like this song a lot. Um, I am I, not a saliva fanboy by any means. I will never pay to go see them in concert. I like this song a lot because this is one of those songs that is really easy to turn into a highlight video. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what I think of every time I, I listen to this song is, is, you know, every time you have boom, do you want it? Boom. Do you need, you know, just some guy getting hit, some guy getting slammed, somebody being put through a table or something. It has that kind of visceral connection with, with me that, that a lot of these other themes that are just based on uh, titles or a lyric or a hook or whatever. Don't that this one, the music fits what it's supposed to try and be. And, you know, they they used this later for, I think, a World Series uh, on Fox, I believe, as well. And, you know, they, they did the same kind of highlight where the boom, you know, you hit the home run ball. I mean, it is it is a perfect song for sporting event highlight packages, and, and it's a great choice for a theme. And it works for a WrestleMania and other sporting events because Josie Scott said that he wrote it specifically for a WWE event in mind. So the song was, I think, destined for Mania before WWE even knew about it. And like you said, Jeff, it's been used for plenty of other events, like Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, hockey, drag racing, a few movie trailers. So it's been around, and it does work really well to get you, you know, pumped up, highlight videos. Yeah, I... I was going to say, I believe the LA Kings, when I was still going to games on the regular, used it as, as you know, kind of a in-between, uh, you know, television break type of highlight things on, on their Jumbotron as well. I mean, I think every stadium in America uses this song for highlight packages to get the crowd pumped up. Yeah, it definitely works. And uh, I also enjoy it quite a bit, too. So we'll head on over now to WrestleMania 26 and play a little hip-hop on the show. This is a collaboration between Kevin Rudolph... Birdman, 
Jay Sean and Lil Wayne, who were all on the same label at the time, Cash Money Records, off of Rudolph's album To the Sky. This song is called I Made It, Cash Money Heroes. Yeah, Cash Money Heroes, Private Jets, Polish, Stay Shot. hip-hop song on the list here and it's that kind of modern hip-hop trend where it's combining this pop rock singing and melodies with rap verses and your standard hip-hop backing tracks which is a style that works for the modern WWE product because it's not this crazy hardcore gangsta hip-hop it's more of a friendly hip-hop song for a PG demographic as far as what the song is about, it's that typical braggadocio, rags to riches, started from the bottom, now we're here type of story, which, again, works for WWE and for wrestling because, like I mentioned earlier, wrestling is about the struggle and making it and starting as nothing and growing into something. And mania is usually the place where guys can say, I made it, I have realized my dreams and I am wrestling on the biggest stage in the world. And it's also of the time as well. You know, the popular music trends have gone away from new metal and have gone towards you know, this sound as the mainstream sound. So I can see why they picked a song like this at this point in time. This genre of music is, is for producers who are frustrated pop stars. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it fits for them. I mean, to go back to the to uh, Narada Michael Walden, if he were in there today, he, he'd be the guy, you know, producing and also the lead singer featuring certain, certain rap acts. Uh, it, it was such a natural progression from the days of sampling, which when, when in the early days of hip-hop, when I... When I was a young man, <laughs> hopes and dreams back in the days of uh, fire and, and rocks. Um, but 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 you know you couldn't get the licensing fee, so eventually it would be a singer doing the hook. Ca- ca- this you know much like Macklemore and and uh, others. It, it's 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 I want to be a pop star. How do I do that? Let's bring some rap guys in there. I'll <laughs> sing the hook. They'll rap lyrics. We'll make it a hit. And and it works. It's it's a great genre um although the pure genres no longer exist because now every r&b tune has a rap track to it and every rap track has an r&b hook to it so it's kind of weird but i like kevin rudolph a lot wwe should be commended on this one because they were ahead of the trend if i recall correctly on the kevin rudolph train because they used let it rock before it ever got big um royal rumble 09 yeah i I, I believe they use it even you know and then I, i guess uh 
I think NFL, the NFL eventually decided to use it for, for promo packages or something, but they were ahead of the curve on Kevin Rudolph. And I, I remember when it eventually hit, I went, wow, there, there's kind of a first. That's the first time I ever kind of got taken aback that something that WWE used in the, in the, uh, in the unlicensed music or what, or what have you, or, or available music for your personal use to help push our record label um, actually caught on bigger on the outside after WWE's use rather than WWE playing catch up. And, and I could see why they went back to the Kevin Rudolph. Well, after that, and uh, this is, you know, this is a fine song and, and it, yeah, it's the ass. It's the usual aspirational. I like money type of stuff, but that's, that also plays into the, into the recurring thing of, of WrestleMania being the huge spectacle. So it, it also fits as a theme. And another connection that I found uh, thank you, genius.com. If you look at the lyrics, you notice that all the artists in the song reference a previous hit single that they've had. They each <laughs> name check a song in their respective parts. Uh, so Kevin Rudolph says, I told you to let it rock, which of course references his song, Let It Rock. Birdman says, Louis Bag, stay strapped with a priceless globe. Yeah. which brings up his song, Always Strapped. Jay Sean says, and now the sky is falling down, which brings up his big single, Down. And Lil Wayne says, I might drop the world if I change hands. And Drop the World is one of his songs. So all of them are referencing past accomplishments. Uh, so, past... so this is a commercial for all their songs. And go out and buy those too Basically, if you're on yes. Yeah. Basically, yes. But, but, but. They are referencing past accomplishments, previous high notes in their respective careers, and WrestleMania is oftentimes a nostalgia engine with mm-hmm. countless video packages of past WrestleMania moments and quote-unquote record-breaking attendances and legendary matches. So it's not just the fact that Rudolph and Lil Wayne and the rest of them made it, and it's not just the fact that WrestleMania made it, you know, going from one show in 85 to this annual phenomenon. It's how they made it and using the past to accentuate the present, which is something that WWE does all the time. Yeah, no, um, I mean, <laughs> I it's weird. I listen to you make these explanations and it's such a great explanation, but boy, you are ascribing depth to something that they don't even think about. Right? But, but no, that that's a very good point, and it helps. It, you know, it, it gives that theme more resonance for 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 you, at least. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that explanation. That's what I do best, Jeff. That's what I oh. do best. <laughs> <laughs> something from nothing, something from nothing. That's all I got to work it, with. You know what? It, I, I'm listening to you going... Wow, he really thought about this. I just thought it was a nice song with a nice hook. <laughs> he, he's trying to put, ascribe depth to it. He's fantasy booking what this song means to this WrestleMania. Oh. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not crazy about this genre. Um, it, it, it's a catchy song, I guess. But It's like new metal for me. It depends yeah. on, yeah, I think it depends on the hook. It depends on the hook and the melody. Your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at least for me it does, so yeah. The following WrestleMania, WrestleMania 27, continues the hip-hop trend. This is Tiny Tempa featuring Eric Turner off the album Discovery. This is Written in the Stars. Oh, written in the stars. 
now They say they ain't heard nothing like this in a while That's why they play my song on so many different dials Cause I got more than a disciplined child So when they see me, everybody barack, barack Man, I'm like a young gun, fully black barack Cry teardrops over the massive attack I only make hits like I work with a racket and back Look at my jacket and hat So down to earth, so down to earth I'm bringing gravity back Adopted by the major I want my family back People work hard just to get all their salary tax Look, I'm just a writer from the ghetto like Mallory Black Man, where the hell's all the sanity? Pretty much the same thing here that I said about I made it The rags to riches hip-hop story Fused with this like dancey pop sound. In this case, the song documents Tiny Tempa and his adolescence growing up poor in London and having a rough life and struggling to make it out of there. And he goes into a bit more detail about the struggle than I Made It does, uh, especially in the second verse, saying things like, When we ate, we never tipped because we needed the change. I needed a break. For a sec, I even gave up believing and praying. I even done illegal stuff and was leaded astray. They say that money is the root to the evilest ways, but have you ever been so hungry it keeps you awake? That's some pretty dire circumstances to live in, and pretty dire for a mania theme, but luckily he, he does turn it around and delivers a message of perseverance and hope, which is uh, everyone's a kid that no one cared about. You just gotta keep screaming until they hear you out. And then the hook reinforces that that hopeful tone. You know, it doesn't matter if times are tough, your destiny is written in the stars a million miles away, and you're going to rise up out of this attrition and make something of yourself, which is a sentiment that is very WrestleMania-y, Jeff. No, the lyrics themselves, once you get into... Uh... Once you get into his part of the song, are, are quite deep and quite good. It's just they never got past the hook, and I don't like to cuss on my own shows, um, mostly because I think it's a wide range of listeners. But fuck this song, uh, for for the reason <laughs> for the reason that it made me actively hate this WrestleMania because they played. Oh, written in the stars, over and fucking over and over and over and over and over and over for three weeks, for at least three weeks after after fucking WrestleMania happened, and I was just by the time I got away from this song, I know it's almost I, I haven't put up green light yet to that point, but man, that song is close. Uh, especially just sitting there listening to it live over and over between every match. Give me the green light. I'm ready. Oh, 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 we, oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, oh, oh. It's like, Jesus, I've heard the song 30 times. And then they go, and now it'll hear play live as flow right. I'm like, oh, no, die in a fire, you motherfuckers, because I don't want to hear this shit anymore, all right? You, you've bombarded me with the song in the buildup to WrestleMania. You're bombarding with it to me at Wrestlemania and you're gonna bombard me with it at the Raw after Wrestlemania <laughs> on on the Raw after Wrestlemania on the Smackdown live in the arena I'm fucking sick of this hook shut the fuck up I want I want another song in my head besides oh written in the stars it's like oh Jesus oh please make it stop and and I just my voice cracked like Peter Brady there I don't care I, I'm just like oh th th this is the first visceral hatred 
to a wrestling event a theme has ever caused <laughs> me because they just this is why I want four different themes for a WrestleMania. I don't care if it's just for one match. The theme for the women's title match is you know something with the word something with the word bitch in it because Vince <laughs> thinks women are bitches. I don't know. But but it's just like I need another song other than this one to to cleanse my palate if for nothing else. Otherwise, I'm just every time I hear this song, I'm just going to associate it with with my hatred for it and it's going to temper my affections for the WrestleMania even more. And that mania itself wasn't that great to begin with, if we're being honest exactly. here. Exactly. This was this was the Miz main event mania, correct? It was, it was, this was the, oh, what was on that card? Uh, this was the core versus Big Show, Kane, Santino <laughs> Morella, and Kofi Kingston WrestleMania. This was the Michael Cole versus oh. Jerry Lawler WrestleMania. This was the Snooki WrestleMania. Snooki. This was. Jesus. Uh, oh my God. Oh, they're, we're culturally relevant. Um, yeah, no, that, and that, and that's another reason. This, the mania wasn't very good, and the theme song just makes it even worse. And just in case you didn't watch after that mania, don't worry, because this song was fucking everywhere else, too. Yes. Uh, baseball, football, soccer, <sighs> the London Olympics, pretty much every major sport used this song in some capacity, which makes sense. I mean, the message of overcoming adversity and winning in life is, is pretty universal and can translate to any sport, not just wrestling, but it was everywhere. And But and every will, time they played it, it reminded me of this WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will credit WWE for being ahead of the curve with this song. Yes. Because yes. they were one of the first major brands to utilize this song. The song came out in like late 2010 and it was the Mania theme a few months later. And it wasn't used in so many places until after Mania 27. So I, I do credit them for jumping on this song pretty early, which is not usually the case for them. They do get a couple of those, uh, like, at, like about once every two or three years, man. They really get on a song or an artist. I think Aloe Black may have... His songs were being used in commercials before basically doing the derivative Elton John song that <laughs> I'm a man, but I think, I think I, I want to say WWE had a theme before, before that song by him. And I know they had one after him. Cause I think one of the rumbles had, had him as a theme as well, but uh, they, they do. I mean, for all the talk of man, they're a company that's behind the times. Occasionally they, they grab onto one right before it's about to hit big. Right. Another one, actually, I just thought of is uh, Centuries by Fallout Boy. Okay. Because that came out in, like, September 2014, and, like, a month later, it was used for the 15th anniversary episode of SmackDown. Mm -hmm. So they got that one pretty quick. All right. Our final theme of the episode is the theme for this year's WrestleMania, Mania 34. It's Kid Rock, or should I say WWE Hall of Famer Kid Rock. <laughs> Off the album Rock and Roll Jesus, this is New Orleans.
I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out why this song was chosen, Jeff. Uh, hmm, I, gosh, I'm stumped. You stumped our panel. Yeah, it doesn't take a degree from Harvard to realize why they picked this song. WrestleMania is in New Orleans this year. The song is about New Orleans. It's sung by Kid Rock, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year. We're not exactly dealing with the Gordian Knot here. And I will admit to you here, Jeff, that I actually really like this song. I have no problem with this song. It's really catchy and fun. And I find myself moving and grooving to this this Bayou Boogie. Now keep in mind, Kid Rock didn't actually write this song. This is not a Kid Rock original. This is a cover of a David Allen Coe song. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that has uh, something to do with why I like it so much. But still, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, the commercials for Mania this year have been heavily focused on Mardi Gras, the party atmosphere, having a good time. So this song is a natural fit for it, uh, Kid Rock or otherwise. It's, you know what, this song has a certain motif that's very very cool to me i i'm a big fan of kind of the southern rock that grew out of your motown stacks volt type muscle shoals type soul and eventually you know it eventually got into muscle shoals eventually got leonard skinnerd and 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 those types the almond brothers those types of acts it has that kind of thing to it um, I am I'm not a Kid Rock fan, but I will be a Kid Rock apologist in many, many ways. Uh, Kid Rock, much like the comedian Larry the Cable Guy, knows what he is. He is a gimmick in some ways that is there to entertain people, and he doesn't put too much depth to what he does. He is an entertainer. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy, same way, and people pay to see him, and people have fun seeing him, and they go see him. Uh, I like a... a bah with the bah when it came on the scene. Oh, that Massive. was an awesome, yeah, yeah. awesome song, I thought. And I love, personal taste, I love the song Cocky by Kid Rock. I think that, I, I'm not a big fan of Cowboy as much, but Cocky, I, 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 it's such a great F you, although I've already said fuck on the show, fuck <laughs> you song. I, I try and censor myself for the children. Um, you know, it's a great fuck you song in the gym, you know, when you're trying to get motivated. And things like so, so I like that. I, I really didn't. Although it's funny because that that <laughs> I both hate and and like that. Uh, what was the name of that hit a couple years ago that he had, where he basically blended Werewolves of London and Sweet Home Alabama all summer as a song. long. All summer long. It's it's a stupid song, and he write rhymes words with themselves. <laughs> but the hooks are catchy because the songs he uses are catchy, and but he's doing it out of love, not out of just crass marketing. He loves that genre of music, so I have no problem with this. This, yeah, it's a basic blues song. I'm going down New Orleans to see an old friend of mine. You know, it, it's a it's a basic type of pop story song. Uh, I do have a David Allen Coe story that I've told before on other podcasts. I don't know if you've ever heard it though, so I'm going to tell I you. I have not. I went to see I went to see David Allen Coe. Um, my, my first year at the University of Virginia, um, I did not fit in at UVA. I was, um, I'm a blue-collar kid. It's a very white-collar school, so I found myself uh, hanging out with people from, like, the southwestern rural areas of Virginia who were very, very smart and got in and kind of had a, kind of had a less, uh, less stodgy way of thinking. 
so to speak. You know, some would call them rednecks in some way, but, you know, they're all good-natured and, and, and good-mannered, and, and it really it made me feel more comfortable at this brainy, very white-collar wannabe Ivy League school. But David Allen Coe was in concert, and my, my buddy who was uh, in, in the band with me, uh, he was from the Ray. His name is Chris Brubaker. He goes, come on, Hawkins, we're going to see uh, going to see David Allen Coe. You'll love it. And David Allen Coe is outlaw country. And I knew some I knew some country because my, my dad would listen to, you know, Waylon and Willie and, and you know, Christofferson and guys like that. But David Allen Coe is kind of that next step after Merle Haggard. I mean, he is outlaw, outlaw. He's, he's country so, so outlaw, most people can't name a song by David Allen Coe. Um, but he is also tied into wrestling in terms of he, he, he'd play at Great American Bashes in the 80s when they were on tour. He was one of those country acts that, that Jim Crockett used to headline. So I knew the name. And he also appeared on an episode of 605 that's on the network, as a matter of fact. It's so, so weird cause, cause, just because of the story. So we go to this thing, and it's an hour after the time he's supposed to start. <laughs> And it's getting restless. And we don't know what the hell's going on. Hour and a half passes by. David Allen Coe comes out on the stage. He's obviously drunk. <laughs> he's hammered. And he's kind of tuning the guitar, but trying to play it at the same time. And he'll stop. And he'll start again. And the crowd is eating this up. And he gets frustrated. And he just looks at the crowd and goes, fuck you guys. And he leaves. And that's the end of the concert. And, my, and I just remember the reaction of my friend Brew. He goes, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the more, more memorable college memories of mine is going to see a David Allen Coe concert where David Allen Coe didn't even bother to play a song. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's, but that's David Allen Coe to a T. He's hard drinking, hard living. I was trying to find the original of this song before, but I, I didn't have a lot it. of time. Couldn't I couldn't it. find it either. Um, so I wonder if it was like written for another artist somewhere. And, and I'll have to look up that down the road because I, I don't love David Allen Coe, but he is an interesting fellow to listen to. Oh, he, he did uh, The Ride. If you ever listen to uh, Dusty Rhodes used to use it a lot as a song. Um for vignettes, but also if you listen to on figure four, if you listen to wrestling weekly, that's the theme song. That's David Allen Coe. Yeah. On Wikipedia, it says that his big songs were also, uh, Mona Lisa lost her smile. You never even called me by my name. She used to love me a lot. I know that uh, long haired redneck. Um, Oh, Oh, uh, take this job and shove it. That was his song. Uh, that was thought, him. Okay, he must have. He must. No, he, actually, he wrote that then because Johnny Paycheck was the guy that sang that song, as I recall. Yes, you're okay. right. You're right. Uh, written by David Allen Coe, popularized by Johnny Paycheck. So, hey, yeah. good for me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, going back to Kid Rock, um, personally, I can swallow country Southern Kid Rock a lot easier than greasy hip hop. Scuzzbucket Kid Rock. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I think I, I generally agree with that. And uh, it's so odd because he never really decided to... He kind of tiptoed in between both genres from time to time. But I think he's firmly in the in the country rock type category now, now that he's gotten a bit older. And it, it would be hard to 
and all rappers have this problem where your street cred after you've made a lot of money and you've started to creep into middle age, it's kind of like, oh, really? You're going to talk to me about being hard, Dr. Dre, at your age? No, I don't think so, you know. But, uh, I, you know, it, it's weird. I, I find the visceral reactions to Kid Rock and just kind of the dismissiveness is, oh, it's another Kevin Dunn move and he just loves the guy and stuff like that. It dismisses Kid Rock's ability to tell a story through his music, which he does very, very well, I think, even if you don't like his music. And like you said, it's not like he's doing this as like a quick dip into the genre. He's been doing Southern country rock for years now. You know, uh, ever, ever since this album came out, Rock and Roll Jesus, he's had just straight up country albums. I mean, even going back to Cowboy, that yeah. was him wearing his love of Southern rock firmly on his sleeve. Um, and of course, that would become the basis for Jeff Jarrett's WCW theme. Kid Rock, you know, granted, he's as Southern as Zack Sabre Jr. He's a Michigan <laughs> man through and through, but he does love this type of music, and he's very open about it, and he's very sincere about it as well. So God bless him for going in this direction. Um, still doesn't make him the most sophisticated guy, I don't think, but... Uh, well, the thing is, he, he really, when he does the Southern rock type of genre, he comes off a little bit as a knockoff of Chris Robinson of the Black Crows. And, look, the Black Crows are a fantastic, fantastic band. That's a lot to live up to. And when you're a Detroit kid trying to play Southern... <laughs> I mean, he is... He, he has the white trash gimmick down. Don't get me wrong. And, and I don't, I also don't judge. You can't judge him as a musician because he's, he doesn't play instruments or anything like that. He, you know, he's a, he's a pop act lyricist who does, who, who entertains. And, and if you don't put a high bar for him, he, he jumps over it quite well, in my opinion. He'll entertain you. Yeah. That's all. And that's all, that's all you want sometimes is just, you know, I'll plop down 20 bucks i'll listen to you know i'll listen to the hits i'll listen to him attempt his new music and you go home it's great yeah we agree that uh we both enjoy this song a lot and mm -hmm. and, uh, and the other and one's not too bad either that that they're, they're, they're using from they're using what celebrate well celebrate was for mania 30 uh which was also okay. in new orleans right. and it was also oh, yeah, kid rock right. so oh, i forgot about that that's true yeah yeah uh, we enjoy this song, and it, it certainly, it's certainly no written in the stars. Um, oh, at least not yet, but... Fuck that song. Fuck that song. <laughs> so I'm sorry bad. I brought it up. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our look at some of the many themes of WrestleMania. Jeff, this was a ton of fun. Do you feel even more excited for Mania after this episode? Um, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm more excited for Mania, but I am excited for New Orleans. I've never been. And Kid, actually Kid Rock's song kind of, you know, oh man, I get to go back east finally because I live in California. And so I get to see some Southern culture and I'm going to do a little bit of jazz touring and learn about the music down there. So I, I, I think the answer, you know, without the long, lengthy prelude is yes. All right then. So yeah, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. Jeff, you are the guest co-host here. Whatever you have to plug, go right ahead. Uh, let's see. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. I'm full of, uh, <laughs> full of arcane music references there, including one this week referencing Patty Smythe and Scandal, the Warrior video in regards to uh, Ronda Rousey. 
Um, you can follow uh, one of my shows at Shake Them Ropes, where which is on the Voices of Net Voices of Network Wrestling, <laughs> Voices of Wrestling Network. Here, uh, it's me and Rob McCarron going over mostly WWE. Uh, we occasionally go into other topics. Um, I also do the post SmackDown show over on Fightful.com. We go live after SmackDown every night there. Um, yeah, and if you ever, as a youngin, Andrew T. Rich, if you ever go back into the days where territories used real music for theme songs and ever wanted to dive into that. I'm your guy because I was alive back then, whereas other people are playing catch-up. We did talk about this a few months ago, Jeff. You are penciled in for that episode, so don't worry about it. I am ready to talk about Junkyard Dog and Another One Bites the Dust. Let's do this. All right, all right. Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to so many great wrestling podcasts like Shake Them Ropes, but also the VOW flagship, Burning Spirits, WrestleNomics, Open the Voice Gate, Brit Res Roundtable, and Five Star Match Game, which, again, I was just on the most recent episode, Battling Rich Krejci in WrestleMania Trivia. Check that out. Check all the podcasts out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Music of the Mat or follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW forums at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlists for each episode. And of course, give us a nice rating and review on iTunes or Google Play. Let people know how much you enjoy the show. It's always appreciated. And finally, I just want to say thank you once again for listening to and supporting Music of the Mat. 30 episodes in the can. It's amazing, I get to say that even. The road has not been easy. There have been a few bumps along the way, but we got there in the end. And I guarantee you that the reason we got there in the end and the reason this show is still going strong is because of all your support and all your love. So thank you once again for listening and enjoying the show. Thank you to the VOW family for their support of this wacky podcast. And of course, thank you to all my guest co-hosts for the previous 10 episodes, the previous season, uh, Rob McCarron, Kelly Harris, Chris Novembrino, Chris Maffei, Duncan Joyce, Sarah Flannery, Garrett Kidney, and naturally, Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, thank you again for coming on the show. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was, I was going to make a bad co-host joke as if, didn't you have one that uh, died or something? No. <laughs> uh, no, I, I had a lot of fun uh, talking, uh, talking, what I could put to this, because so it's such a challenge to, everybody else has such modern musical taste, and I just don't, so it's always hard to do these types of shows for me. Well, you did great here, man. You were great. This, this was awesome. For Jeff Hawkins... I'm Andrew Rich. I'll see you next time on Music of the Met. A new season begins, episode 31. It's going to be a whole heapin' helping of musical fun. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. 
participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.